Okay, so this is the episode where I've shaved my head and I'm all by myself and I'm going to just talk to you for an undetermined amount of time on uh, how we... is going to be tonight and that is uh well that's going to be interesting because it's just going to be what rattles off the top of my freshly shorn skull um so uh, similar to uh, when you should never go grocery shopping when you're hungry you shouldn't give yourself a haircut when you're hot um so that's what happened there just thought i would try it out going to stick with that or not. There's still a fair amount of hair action going on there, so we may let it uh, come back in. We may not. I don't know. It's all right. Got a decent head shape. Just trying that on. Um, so tonight, let's talk about, well, let's. I'm going to say let's a lot. Um, there's how we ended up this way. So all of the different parts of my personality are going to be the we tonight. Uh, and how we ended up this way is kind of a long, sad story. So I'll try to make it as funny as possible for you. Um, let's see. Well, it started back in 1980. Uh, my mother was pregnant for me. Uh, she had just had her thyroid irradiated from her neck, and she had started her diabetic treatments. Um, she didn't think it was prudent to quit smoking two packs a day, but she did give up coffee. So um, everything went really well there. Uh, was uh, born C-section and came into the world with uh, two of the oldest parents in like my hometown. So my mom was 42 and my dad was 54 when I was born. Um, I had half brothers and sisters, but they were gone. So I was pretty much an only child. And then uh, I was left alone a lot um, without going into a lot of detail. Uh, my dad was probably one of the more terrible people on the planet. Um, did some things, uh, leaves scars on people. Um, so uh, a lot of neglect, a lot of abuse, and then went, uh, moved around a lot. And then once my dad's abuse couldn't continue the way he wanted it to, then it just became physically violent. Um, a lot of that, a lot of hitting, a lot of swearing, a lot of just leaving me alone. Um, and then I, uh, I got to the point where my parents got divorced. A lot of what my dad did came out and then I was broken. I was uh, a broken toy that my mom didn't love anymore. So she stopped caring for me really. Um, she gave me a place to live and she gave me food. Um, she didn't really talk to me. Um, I had to listen to her. She was disabled. Um, had, uh, she was partially paralyzed from a bunch of herniated discs and a degenerative spine condition. So at 12 years old, I was the man of the house. I did all the yard work and the repairs. And, uh, occasionally, uh, one of my half-brothers or sister or brother-in-law would come over and help do things that I couldn't do. Uh, a lot of mowing the lawn, a lot of uh, just doing housework and cooking. And so I was grown up then. And so the majority of my conversations with my mom revolved around me listening to her lamenting her existence. Um, a lot of that was just, uh, she wishes she was dead. She can't wait till she's dead. Um, 
boy, it'd be really nice if I could be dead. Um, if you don't do the things that I expect you to do, then I'll take you out of this world. Um, I got a lot of that growing up. Um, if uh, I wasn't behaving properly, I brought you into this world and I'll take you out of this world. So you better get your act together. Um, so that was the situation. That was uh, a good time. Um, then uh, as I got older, I started to realize that, oh, you know, I left a big part of Roman Catholic. I was raised Roman Catholic on top of all this. So along with uh, some uh, abuse, uh, I was then uh, pretty much indoctrinated with the belief that I should feel bad for everything that I do. And then I should tell a stranger about it in a wooden box at a place where I'm supposed to feel in touch with God. Um, it's called confession. If you're not aware of that, that's a tree. Um, nothing like talking about uh, impure thoughts and self-touchingness when there's a 70-year-old priest in the other side doing whatever. Um, it feels great. Um, so I started to realize after going to Catholic school, when I got to high school with the regular children, that I could uh, be normal. Uh, there were other people that didn't like sports like me. There are other people that liked art. There was a lot of other people that liked the kind of music I liked, uh, some of the TV shows I liked, and I actually started to fit in. Um, and I desperately wanted people to like me. Um, all my life, I'd grown up until I was a young adult, basically, um, being beaten and used and uh, treated like a puppet for the majority of it. And I let it all happen because you're a kid and I wanted somebody to love me and I didn't have anybody to do that. So when I started to be around other people, I started to realize that I could entertain them and I could be funny and they would like me that way. Uh, it would uh, entertain people for me to tell jokes and to use my self-deprecating humor to uh, cheer up them. And I always did everything I could to help people. Um, if I could help somebody, I would. Um, and I, uh, I just, uh, I spent most of my time trying to earn praise, trying to earn people's, uh, just wanted them to like me. I wanted them to actually like reach out to me. Um, my, 21st birthday, uh, I got out of work and I went to the store and I bought beer and I brought it home and spent like $200 on beer and nobody showed up. And I waited and waited. Eventually it got to be like 10 o'clock at night and I just got drunk by myself and ended up crying. Uh, so that was 21. Um, Shortly after that, I was living in my car for a while. Um, then I got married uh, because I kind of was like, I, I met somebody who kind of gave me a place to sleep and I felt like I owed them and like that was love. So uh, got married. That was not good. Um, I was trying my best to feel like a regular person. I was not cutting it, um, that marriage ended. And then I met my current wife and have kids. Everything is, uh, it's been a journey. I think probably the biggest thing I've noticed is uh, birthdays. Birthdays are usually pretty terrible for me. Um, my 21st birthday, nothing ever, nobody got a hold of me. I just was by myself. Um, my 30th birthday, 30, yeah, 30th birthday, uh, my wife tried to throw a big party for me and it, in the middle of May, snowed and went down to like 30 and nobody showed up because it was supposed to be an outside birthday party. Um, that wasn't great. Um, then I, uh, my 31st birthday, that was when I found my mom dead. Um, she wasn't a great mom by a lot of standards, but she was my mom and I loved her. And 
that wasn't a great birthday slash Mother's Day. Uh, so this was when my kids were young. And I really, uh, I guess that kind of situation traumatized me to a certain extent where I really needed to figure out some sort of meaning for life. Um, I decided to really kind of dive into what made up the world. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that my kids had the kind of childhood I wished I always had. Um, I went through and just started reading book after book, uh, watching different movies, go down YouTube holes, trying to research different things about the meaning of life. Um, I studied science and religion philosophy to the point where I was going to figure out what life was all about so that I could teach my kids as much as possible. Um, I started with particle physics and learned about muons and quarks and spins and electrons and neutrons and protons and all the lovely interesting particles that make up our universe. Uh, I started to get involved in quantum physics and uh, quantum entanglement, spooky action, and Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, and how things can all be connected and where the origins of the universe came from. Um, astronomy, uh, stars and planets and gravity wells and time dilation and how space and time are an interconnected fabric. Oh, gravity is interesting. That's all in there. Um, but anyway, uh, moved into uh, physics uh, to um, really starting to learn about philosophy. I started reading about, like back in the beginning, like uh, the Bhagavad Gita and uh, Confucianism and Lao Tzu and um, the Stoics and uh, Marcus Aurelius and all these different philosophers, even into the, I mean, I, I I got into even some of the newer stuff with Nietzsche and uh, <laughs> nihilism and art and Van Gogh and Michelangelo, I, all the things that I thought were the most important, the most meaningful things to research. And, um, you know, out of all of that, I think I'm going to tell you about what kind of conclusions I've come to. So how I ended up this way was through a series of very long, sad and lonely interactions with a lot of people. I met some of the best people that a person could hope to meet and I'm really good friends with them. Um, some of the things I learned as a result, uh, I learned not to give up, but to be patient. Um, I probably do that to a fault. I'm patient with situations to the point where they actually become self-destructive and I still keep waiting and giving opportunities where I shouldn't because I can take it. Um, some of the things I learned, um, most religions and most philosophers um, have evolved over the years. Uh, it was really interesting uh, in the beginning where the depth of philosophy, uh, when you go back to the Bhagavad Gita and early Rome, uh, and some of the Eastern philosophers, uh, they really talk a lot about duty. Um, every human has a duty in their existence. Um, when you're born, you can either consume like an animal and live your life just chasing hedonistic desires, um, and just try to make an existence that you want for yourself. Um, those are the type of existence they call it the no life. Um, people that try their best to make a meaningful experience for themselves, but they neglect the people around them. Um, they do things to feel good about themselves, not because it feels good to do the good things. Um, it's difficult for a lot of people, I think. Um, and I think the early philosophers really focused a lot on that. Um, I think that started to shift a little bit in like Greece and Rome. Um, you have philosophers like uh, uh, Plato or 
Homer or um, Socrates. Socrates is one of my favorites. Um, he was kind of a wandering conversationist. And one of the things I liked the best about him that really resonates with me was the fact that uh, he admitted how little he knew. Uh, like when he would get into philosophical debates, uh, he said, probably one of the biggest differences between me and you is uh, neither one of us really know that much, but I'm aware of that. Are you? Because <laughs> back in the day, they used to really tout how smart they were. and They brag a lot about all the things they do. And here he was bragging about how little he knew because you really need to be moldable. Um, be having the ability to change your core beliefs based on new information is probably one of the most respectable things I see in people today. Um, and it goes back to that time. Um, if you look at people that are so rigidly religious that a gay person makes them uncomfortable and makes them angry because they don't understand it and they're afraid of what that means to them and their family, um, even though you can confront them with rational arguments and rational information saying that the way you feel is based on 2000 year old prejudices and just fear uh, it's a form of manipulation to get you to act a certain way and to get you to patronize a certain group of people to build money and to try to manipulate people to do what other people want. Um, even when confronted with that information, people will rigidly say, oh, well, that's just the devil tempting me. Um, or you're speaking like the devil right now, or you're evil, or there are demons inside you. Um, these, these people, rather than take a look at the, the, the rational information that's presented before them, rather than suffer for a moment and say, wow, for a long time, I believe something that really isn't supported by information that I have presented to me now. I should be willing to change how I feel about this, or I should be willing to take a look at changing my views on this certain situation. Rather than being able to do that, they're so dumbfounded that they will get angry and fight for those core beliefs rather than be willing to change them. Um, that's one of the things that I've taken from how I ended up this way was being able to change my beliefs based on new information. Um, then as we move through, um, we'll get into the Stoics and Marcus Aurelius. Um, again, very uh, tied to uh, duty and honor and being an emperor. Uh, he had to control his empire and be part of wars. Uh, but he did it as a matter of duty. He was really more of a pacifist and didn't like it. Um, one of the things I like about Marcus Aurelius is his deep inner world and how he is aware of himself. Um, he takes a moment to look at each situation, internalize it, and look at it from a lot of different directions. Um, Marcus Aurelius is one of my favorite philosophers, even though he's primarily known for being a leader, uh, because he would write a lot in his journals and he had a lot of books that really, he was a human and he was a really deep human. And he teaches people to not make decisions based on their emotions. Um, that's something that I try to take for to heart too. Um, when you're presented with something that can cause a passionate response, passion is good and it can lead you in a good direction. But to respond to something, well, those nerve endings are raw. And when that hurt is fresh or when you're really excited or when there's a lot of adrenaline running, you're not thinking, you're not in your most rational state. And stoicism teaches you to not act out of emotion. Uh, it teaches you to be aware of the emotion, be aware of why you feel that way, but it teaches you to internalize something and take it for a moment and think about it and make it a part of your inner world and really move forward more effectively at a later time when you've had a chance to process it. Um, and I think you, we have a lot of common, uh, 
commonalities between that and our modern society. Uh, I think everybody's written a letter or an email and just let it sit in their inbox or in their drafts and just kind of, I probably better not send that right now, pretty angry kind of situation. That's stoicism. Uh, then we can go even further on, uh, We'll go into a little nihilism, uh, the meaningless of existence. Uh, I have a funny, there, there's a, a fun YouTube channel I like. It's called Kurzgesagt, I think. Um, it's German. They do a lot of fun science movies. They're like little mini cartoons about interesting topics. Uh, but they have a, a, a video they did called The Optimistic Nihilist. And I kind of... I get a little bit of that from Nietzsche. He's, oh, friend, he's a good time. Um, but there's one, I, I, I take a great appreciation for music because of Nietzsche. Um, it, was, it was one of his favorite things that he liked to listen to music because he said it was one of the most pure things that you can enjoy and not feel guilty about. Um, so there's no reason that we exist. Um, I think people like to think that this world was created for us. Look, it's a perfect garden for humans to exist in. And those people don't understand the millions of years of evolution that made us the perfect apes to exist on this hostile planet that really isn't good for a lot. Um, it's kind of the other way around. Um, we've adapted through death and sex to be able to survive on this very hostile planet. Um, it's not perfect for us. We've just gotten really good at living here. Um, and so a lot of other animals, there's not a reason for that other than it happened. Um, but there comes our freedom. Uh, we don't exist for any particular reason. So we get to make up our own reasons. Um, we get to enjoy the little pieces of our existence. Um, we can take and make rituals out of the most mundane tasks and make them enjoyable, like shaving or making coffee or uh, taking a shower or sitting in the shade with a breeze or going into the forest and listening to the birds. Um, we can put meaning in any one of those. Uh, we can do anything we want, and it really doesn't matter. Uh, we can do really embarrassing stuff, and in a hundred years, no matter how embarrassing it is, no one will remember it. No one will care. No one will know who you are or what you did. You can make big mistakes, and no one will care. You'll just disappear. So there's a certain amount of freedom to be had there. Um, don't worry too much about being humiliated or embarrassed. Who cares? Uh, don't worry so much about your job, um, how much money you make, the things that you have. I think the one of the big things I take away from this is I need very little. Um, if I think back to the most important things in my life, it comes back to uh, the time that I've spent with people, uh, the experiences I've had with people, and the feelings that they create with me, um, not things that I had. I'm not going to think back 50 years from now and when I'm laying on my deathbed and be like, wow, I'm so happy I got that motorcycle. That meant the most to me. I'm honestly probably not going to think about it at all. Um, I'm not going to think about that time the TV broke. Um, I'm not going to think about that time where I got fired from a job because I couldn't sell enough cars. Um, none of that stuff really matters. Um, and it shouldn't. I, what, what difference does it make when you're old and retired, what job you had or how much money you made. Um, it comes down to how did you make the people around you feel? How did you improve their lives in a way that made them happy rather than doing things to make yourself happy? Uh, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. Uh, I, I, I see a lot of people uh, go through their midlife crisis, like what's the meaning of life and where are we going to go from here? And, all of this, I still, I feel like I'm missing something. I feel like there's a, this hollow emptiness, like nothing can really satisfy it. Um, that's evolution. You're evolved to feel that way. Um, you 
we're designed to be depressed and we're just designed to be unsatisfied um, through evolution if we always looked optimistically at things that rustling bush would always be a fluffy bunny and never a lion and the people that always saw the fluffy bunny they died <laughs> evolution weeded those people out we are predisposed to keep in mind the negative things that have happened to us so that we can avoid them and survive and reproduce um, we are evolved to be depressed um, when we find a bush with a bunch of delicious berries on it and we eat those berries we're happy for a minute but we don't stay happy we can't use that memory of those delicious berries to keep us happy no we want more we want better berries we want a bigger bush we want to have more of that thing that we love and enough is never enough we have to keep getting more because if we were ever satisfied we'd stop looking for the next thing to make us survive um that's evolution we've evolved to be unsatisfied and depressed uh, we've evolved to be anxious and feel hollow because it keeps us searching and it keeps us driving forward looking for more in life um, and it keeps us weary of the bad things that have happened to us so that they don't repeat themselves as easily um, so when you look back on how everything plays out, we really have to take a step away from evolution um, and be aware that we have a lot more complex thought now. Um, it's not just about pleasing ourselves. It's not about getting that big promotion so that we can buy that new big house and have those expensive appliances and that motorcycle and that jet ski and that boat that RV and that camper and that four-wheeler and going to that restaurant and seeing that concert and getting that t-shirt and buying that coat and sneakers and boots and all the things that people just have to have, that big TV, that video game. They're just constantly chasing that next, ah, I've, I've reached my goal, but it's not enough. Well, stop. <laughs> you don't have to do that anymore. Um, you can just hang out with a friend and have a meaningful conversation and help them through a hard time in their life. And it's going to feel better than playing that video game or uh, riding that jet ski or climbing up that hill. <laughs> I mean, you, can, you can just sit and watch a movie and appreciate being in the company of somebody else who's losing themselves to a story. They don't have to think about all the hard things that they go through throughout the day. They get to enjoy that movie with you. And that's really special. And it's nice. Um, when uh, we keep going forward, now I'm going to talk about another philosopher. Uh, this is about lame deer. Lame deer is, makes it difficult for me to be employed. Um, lame deer talks about, he was a Native American philosopher. And he talks about the no life. Um, as far as um, you think about things that have happened to the Native Americans, the genocide, I mean, just the nightmare of the colonists that came through and just destroyed their land and their society. Um, lame deer was a Native American philosopher that he, when he was younger, he really, he wanted to just get a job and make some money and drink a lot. Um, um, he started talking to some of the elders and he started to realize that what they were saying really made a lot of sense. Um, if you look at um, the, the white man and how they bake their, break their back every day, living the no life for the green papers. It doesn't mean anything. They work and work and work for the green paper to live in a square, put in a box. They're like the Native Americans, we lived in circles. We were all a circle. The life was, our life was a circle. That's a symbol. Um, our, our house was a circle. That's a symbol. That's 
how we live that reminds us of how we live. And what we need to remember is that we can assign spirits to whatever to make us feel the way that we should feel. We create our own symbology. They didn't have a lot of gods. They looked at things uh, as a way of evoking uh, a meaning inside themselves. Um, like the tree spirit. It wasn't a spirit that they really believed was in the tree. When they looked at a tree, the spirit was, what does that tree mean to you? What symbol does that tree represent within you? Does that tree represent strength? Does it represent rigidity? Does it represent um, uh, long life? Does it, any number of things, but what does it mean to you? What personal experience do you have with that tree that gives it a symbol or a meaning to yourself? That's its spirit. The river has a spirit. It gives you meaning. It, it's, a, it's a symbol within you. Uh, the sky has a spirit. The, the sun has a spirit. The wind has a spirit. But not in the respect that they believe that there was spirits inhabiting all these things, but more in the respect that you subscribe to a meaning that's associated with this. It is a metaphor for something important to you. And you can make that personal to yourself. And life becomes a lot more meaningful that way. Um, you can observe nature. You can observe your friends. You can observe your surroundings. And they become a lot more meaningful. Um, there's a sadness associated with that too. Um, being the only one that is an observer and that really takes time to appreciate the meaning of things around them, uh, it can really make you feel lonely because you see a lot of other people don't feel the same way or they're not ready to understand things the way you do. Um, it can feel like you'll never really meet somebody that's going to fully uh, get who you are. So there's that. But um, going back to um, trying to find the meaning of life, um, I've come to a pretty common ground amongst a lot of different religions and a lot of different philosophers. Um, and there's a lot of different things, but a lot of it just comes down to whether you believe in an afterlife or not, or whether you believe in karma or reincarnation or any of these other uh, basic tenets for a lot of different religions um, or even philosophy. Um, it doesn't matter what happens after you die. Uh, they one of the one of the people that they they talked about. I think they called it um, moral deserts where people think, well, if we didn't have religion, we would have such an immoral country. Everyone would steal and rape and murder. They made the point that if you need the moral desert to be good and the threat of a punishment to avoid being bad, you're not a good person and you need to look at yourself. If you're not killing because you're just holding out for that reward, that dessert in heaven, if you're not stealing or you're not murdering because you're scared of burning and that's the only reason that you're not doing those things, you're not a good person. And I don't care what your religion tells you about going to heaven because you told a priest the thing you did and you said Hail Mary or Our Father, um, or I'm not, I, I don't think that you're a good person just because you show up on a Sunday and you eat a little cracker that's supposed to be Jesus. Um, your actions dictate the kind of person you are. If you hate somebody because of something that they believe that impacts your life in no meaningful way that hurts no one and they could be happy believing it even if you don't agree with it who do you what right do you have 
to disagree with them. Um, if somebody feels a different way than you, it's not your job to convince them that they're wrong. You can present them with new information. You can give them your perspective. But if they feel a different way than you, you don't have the right to be angry at them. That everyone's a different person. Everyone's entitled to their own beliefs and their own feelings. And each situation from a different perspective is different. Every single human on this planet has a unique perspective from the beginning of humans up until the end of humans. Every single person's existence is different. Everyone's emotions are different. They can't want the same things as you. It's not fair for you to expect them to believe the same things as you or to feel the same way as you because of certain situations. Um, so the biggest thing I think I can take away is that for a person to be a good person, they're more or less that uh, the voice inside their head that kind of wants things to be a certain way for themselves. And I, I, it's hard for me to describe it because there's not really a name for it. But when, um, say, you get angry at a friend and you say something that you wish you didn't, uh, later on when you calm down and you think about it and you kind of wish you could have a redo where you wish you reacted in a certain way or you, re you wish that you said something in a certain tone or you wish you didn't say something at all that's who you are the the person you are is the person that can recognize that you've made a mistake and you're actively trying to be better that person that's actively trying to be better than they were that's a that makes you a good person that that has some of the most important meaning it should over any religion, just that feeling that I could do better than I did. I could try harder than I did. I could have controlled myself better than I did. And putting in an effort to do that, that's what makes a good person. Um, having meaning, uh, a, a meaning beyond yourself. Um, that's another thing that all the religions and all the philosophers can pretty much agree on uh, the fact that you're not the most important thing. Uh, some people never grow up beyond that. When we're children, we're little egos. We just walk around me, I, me, I need, I need for me, I need. Some people never outgrow that. Um, I feel this way, so you should feel this way too. If I were you, I would feel this way. Everything's egocentric. Everything's based within themselves. They can't put themselves in another person's shoes easy. Um, they can't think about uh, pleasing somebody else because what pleases them should please somebody else. Um, those sad people may never realize how hollow their lives are um, and how little the things they do really matter to people in the world. Uh, no matter how self-important they might want to be, uh, no matter how... Uh, good they think they are, how uh, popular or how successful those people are, they're empty. And they'll always feel a little bit empty because they don't have that higher understanding yet. Um, and maybe they'll never reach that. And that's sad. Um, some people like me, um, I've had to you, develop my empathy is a survival mechanism. Um, it would help me avoid getting beat or abused. Um, it would uh, help me get through uh, times of emotional neglect, um, hard times where I felt all alone. Um, the, that, uh, that coping mechanism that I developed was empathy. Like if I could tell ahead of time how somebody was going to react based on how they felt, and do that accurately and I could read the person's mood I could avoid a bad situation um, I'd prefer to have developed that a different way because it was terrible but here we are and I have that and I can use that um, 
I could use that to manipulate people. I could use that to get my way. I could use that to take advantage of situations. I've never wanted to do that, though. And I feel good about myself for that. Um, I've always wanted to help people. Um, being somebody who's been hurt a lot in my life, I recognize when somebody else is in pain. And I don't ever want to see somebody in pain. Um, I'll put myself in pain to try to make somebody else feel better because I can take it. I'm used to it. It's easy for me. Um, if I can make somebody happy with a compliment or a goofy joke or um, something easy, like helping them figure out a problem that they're not particularly good at or draw them a picture, um, just any little thing that could cheer somebody up. Those are the feelings that last a long time. Um, I just, I think about times where I was sitting with somebody talking with somebody and you get the shivers, like when you really feel like you relate to somebody on a certain topic and, uh, you really, you're, you really have that chemistry going in a conversation and you feel really happy and like you're enjoying that time together. That's some of the most meaningful stuff in the world to me. Um, but if you go back and look at some of the other times, like I think some people focus on, well, the most important thing to me was when I graduated that expensive college or that time I closed that huge business deal or that time I helped a business do this thing or this time when I helped that old person get this thing. And like, it's more like you're reading off a resume. Like what meaning does that have? What were the feelings that all the people around you felt? Or was that just for you? It's sad. Like, it, it makes, I, I have to have a really hard time with depression because I see so many things in this world that could be so much better if people just cared more about other people than they do for themselves. Um, it hurts me a lot when I see my children do it, uh, when they fight and they hurt each other. And it seems like they're just having fun with it. Um, but they, they don't, um, they don't make me happy when I see them go through and they just antagonize each other. Um, what makes me happy is when I see them interacting and they have that chemistry where that one of them gets excited and the other one gets excited because they saw the other one excited and they just, they spiral upward and they just start laughing and playing. And that's, that's one of the happiest things for me. Um, I just, I don't know what to do about the other sad times that I have to see throughout the day. Um, interacting with people at work that come in looking for information that are just there to try to take advantage of a neighbor or uh, try to get the most out of a property. or um, It's hard when I see people that just want to take advantage of an exemption or a state program just because they can, not because they necessarily should. Um, they try to manipulate situations for their own benefit rather than taking into account the feelings of the people around them. A lot of things make me sad because of that. Um, it just feels like people are so focused on themselves that they don't see how lonely they're making their own lives um, and how much they alienate the people around them. Um, but I mean, I, I can't, I can't say anything that, uh, I, I wouldn't say to myself, I do the same thing from the other end of the spectrum. Um, I alienate people saying things, uh, that I have a perspective on that they don't. Um, I make people feel uncomfortable in certain situations where I joke about things to, uh, kind of make it easier for myself to palate. Um, I can be in a situation that's uncomfortable. Uh, maybe I'll make a joke about that situation to take some of its power away from it so that I'm more comfortable in that situation. But as far as uh, how I feel about that after, I do recognize that sometimes uh, I don't make the best choices with the, with the things that I say. Um, 
and it's hard. It's hard to have a balance there, and it's hard for anybody. I think probably the easiest thing that can happen is you can either learn to not judge yourself and not correct your actions, or you can learn to judge yourself too hard, and then you almost become paralyzed. I do that. Um, I paralyze myself. I worry that sometimes the things I say are going to hurt people or sometimes the things I do are going to be good enough and they're going to let people down. Um, And I freeze up because I don't want to hurt anybody. Um, I don't want to let anybody down, but I do. But I have to forgive myself because that's part of being human and you can't be perfect. Um, That brings me to my next part, um, forgiveness. Um, I think people can learn to forgive anybody for anything. Um, We're all human and things that we do will hurt other people. Um, You have to look at intention. Um, Did somebody intend to hurt you? Did you intend to hurt somebody else? Most of the time, the answer is no. I think probably if I had to think about myself anyway, I'd say 98% of the things I do that hurt people, I feel so bad about because they were incidental. They were accidents. I didn't mean for it to happen. Um, Sometimes you just talk. You're not thinking before you say things and things just come out wrong. Um, It feels bad, but... I think uh, the people that know you the best realize that when you say things, your intention wasn't to hurt somebody. It was to communicate an idea or to communicate a certain level of um, hurt that maybe they felt. Um, They didn't necessarily mean to hurt you. Sometimes they do. Those are the ones where you really have to set boundaries. Um, You you can... uh, You can still have relationships with people that hurt you, um, that intentionally hurt you. Um, I've seen people that uh, will do things to make themselves feel better about themselves uh, by making you feel like less of a person yourself. Um, That's sad. Uh, You can forgive people for doing things like that, but I think it's important to realize that Sometimes they're not going to change. That's just a part of the way they are. You have to, you can still care about that person. You can still be a part of their lives, but you have to set boundaries to not let them hurt you. Um, And you have to set boundaries for yourself so that you don't hurt other people. Uh, Sometimes, uh, let's see, like, uh, sometimes those. A wild animal is going to be a wild animal through no detriment to itself. Um, A tiger is never going to be a good friend of an antelope. I mean, you can find an exception here or there on the internet, but for the most part, those are just two things that don't have chemistry and they have to have their boundaries. Um, People are the same way. There's some people that will just take advantage of people that are willing to give a lot um, because they're just used to using this world to get what they want. Um, You have to be careful of people like that. Um, You have to be careful of other people that really don't think about other people's feelings. Um, If you're somebody who's uh, pretty empathetic to other people's feelings, you can find other people in this world that take advantage of that. Um, They might have the same ability you have to really understand how people feel and they might prey on it. They can use that to prey on people's fears and insecurities. Um, They can use that to uh, take advantage of people's fear of uh, being alone. Uh, The people's fear of not being good enough and pushing people to try harder than they should, trying harder than is healthy for them. Uh, You have to be careful because not everybody's 
in it to make people feel good. They, I think a lot of times people are just in it to make themselves feel good. And you have to be careful of that. Um, I think uh, in, in the end of this, uh, I think I'm probably going to wrap this up here pretty soon. But, I mean, you can go through uh, your whole life and believe that there's a God waiting for you and your relatives waiting for you in the sky that, and everything's going to be great. And as long as you say your I'm sorry's and you do what the book tells you to do, that everything is going to be fine. And if you need that book to be a good person, then by all means, choose that book because it's better than nothing. Um, if you're the type of person that feels like life is really just beating you down and you don't know how much more you can take and work is hard and your relationships are hard and it just doesn't feel fair, it's not, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not fair for everybody. There, there's people that don't deserve what they have and it'll never truly make them happy. That's their hell. Uh, there's people that can be perfectly happy with nothing. And there's some of the most beautiful people out there. Um, there's people that try as hard as they can to do the thing that they feel is the most important. And they never quite get there. And then there's people that don't seem to try and everything just seems effortless. Like they're in this flow state, like everything just comes to them. Um, those people are amazing. Uh, they attract it. Just they, they have a, a certain way of being a human that just really works. And that's amazing to watch. Sometimes you see some of those people that are just a pleasure to be around that brighten a room that, make people happy. Uh, the world needs those people. Um, they're amazing. And then you've got the tortured artist, the, the sad emo kid, the person over there in the corner just sitting by themselves thinking. They're beautiful too. Um, they're deep. There's a depth of thought happening there that this world needs. Um, they're the artists, they're the thinkers, they're the poets, they're the writers, they're the ones that challenge you to see the world from a new perspective. Um, they're the ones that uplift you uh, when you think you've got it the worst. They help you realize that maybe you're being kind of petty about your situation. Um, they're interesting. They give life color and meaning. Um, the, probably the biggest thing I can take away from uh, my, I don't know, uh, self-education is that you should never stop. Um, you should always keep learning. Like, learn a new language. Uh, learn about a new type of science. Uh, learn about nutrition. Learn about botany. Learn about chemistry. Just learn something. Learn about an ancient culture. Uh, even though it might feel like it's not worth your time, you're going to gain a higher perspective of a deeper depth of knowledge from whatever it is you decide to learn more about. Uh, you'll gain a new perspective um, and you'll be able to have that. And it's a tool that you can use to give meaning to your life. Uh, you can over-educate yourself. Sure. Uh, I think I'm guilty of that. Uh, I try to cram in so much knowledge sometimes. I think I don't have time to really digest it and have assign meaning to it. Um, I'm not perfect. I like to experience and I like to observe. I like to absorb new things. It happens. Um, but I give myself the opportunity to make a meaningful moment from anything. Um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end up going in the future. Uh, there's a lot to 
really think about, I mean, as technology moves forward, we're going to have things happening in 20, 30 years that we don't even have the ability to think about now or even project. Um, we can go through and look at uh, maybe getting rid of disease, uh, maybe curing cancer, maybe adding years and years to our lives. What if human life gets extended out to 150 years? What if it doesn't? What if all these chemicals create uncurable cancer and the average lifespan drops back down to my age, early mid forties? Um, either way is possible. What's that going to do to society? And how's that going to change our philosophy on existence? Um, it's interesting. Uh, whether it's good or bad, um, we're here for it. So we need to make the best of it. Uh, be compassionate to yourself. Don't blame yourself for everything. Uh, it's easy to do. Um, don't be discompassionate. It's easy to blame everybody else for your situation, too. It's not their fault. Things just happen. Don't have that expectation. Um, don't expect that life is going to let you down. Don't expect that you're going to let somebody else down. Sometimes you will. Most of the time you won't. And a lot of the times nobody cares. <laughs> That's one of the most liberating feelings. I'm sitting here talking about probably some of the most meaningful things to me in my entire life. And probably nobody cares. Nobody's going to listen to this. Uh, two people are watching this right now. That's fine. Um, whatever. I'm not embarrassed. Um, maybe lots of people will listen to it. Maybe somebody will really hear something that means a lot to them or helps them through a hard time. That is great too. I would be really happy to hear that. Um, but yeah, you know, life is what it is. It's, it can be meaningful if you try to make it that way. Sometimes it's meaningful when you don't, I mean, don't have the expectation. I think I'm going to start wrapping this up, but a couple of thoughts I just want to leave with anybody if they're interested. Um, Try next time uh, you'd speak with somebody that you haven't spoken to in a long time. Ask them questions that they're passionate about. Ask them questions that they're sensitive about. And don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about how it makes you feel or how it relates to you in any way. Just have them tell you about themselves. I think that might make for an interesting situation for you. Um, next time you go to work, don't think about what you have to do to make things okay to keep your job. Think about what you can do to help your coworker that's having a hard time. Or think about what you can do to help the person that comes into your work that doesn't really know what to do. Um, think about how you could make them feel when they leave instead of thinking about how you feel because they're there. Um, next time you are trying to decide what's for dinner for your family, don't think about what you want or what's easy for you to cook. Think about what would make somebody healthier or happier or what could make things easier for one of the people you care about? Um, if you can learn to put other people ahead of yourself more than you do, and this goes for anybody, um, it'll come back to you and it'll feel really good. So I think, uh, I think that's where we're going to end it for tonight. Um, just try to think about how you make other people feel. And don't be too hard on yourself and don't be too hard on everybody else because we're all just trying to figure this out. We're just bald apes 
on a ball of dirt that somehow have gotten smart enough to question their own existence. And this is what we're coming up with. There's no reason to make somebody else's existence any worse than it has to be. And there's every reason to reach out to somebody and make their equally meaningless existence a little bit more meaningful. So I think everybody have a With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.